Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Sunday service. I'm Naswami Gyandev, and this is Naswami Diksha. It's our joy to be with you this morning. I'd like to welcome all of our guests and visitors, everyone watching online, and a special welcome to those who received Kriya Yoga initiation last night. Congratulations to you, and many blessings on your practice. So our Sunday service topics come from this book, Raise the One Light by Swami Kriyananda, Weekly Commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita. This week's topic, Victory Demands the Courage of Conviction. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Jesus Christ said in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 10, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth, that is to say, that clingeth to, his life shall lose it. And he that loseth, in other words, that giveth up his life for my sake, shall find it. God tests the firmness of our faith. The sword described here is the sword of discrimination. The struggle Jesus describes is not a war against unknown enemies, but the struggle with our own attachment to all that is nearest and dearest to us, humanly speaking. Ultimately, it is a war against the ego itself and against anything with which we surround ourselves to bolster the ego's fragile sense of security. When Yogananda, was bo- as a boy, fled to the Himalayas to embrace a life of solitary meditation, he was apprehended by his older brother, Ananta, and brought home again. At a certain point, before he would accept defeat, he whispered to his friend Amar, who, his companion on the flight, Let us slip away when opportunity offers. We can go on foot to Rishikesh. But Amar, whose brother had accompanied Ananta, had turned pessimist, disclaiming any intention of continuing their adventure. Yogananda's memorable comment on Amar's refusal was, he was enjoying the familial warmth. The spiritual warrior rejects that familial warmth. Rather, he claims the whole universe as his home. As the Bhagavad Gita puts it in the 14th chapter, Unaffected by outward joys and sorrows or by praise and blame, secure in his divine nature, regarding with equal gaze a clod of mud, a stone, and a bar of gold, impartial toward all experiences, whether pleasant or unpleasant, firm-minded, untouched by either praise or blame, treating everyone alike, whether friend or foe, free from the delusion that in anything he does, he is the doer. Such a one has transcended nature's triune qualities. 
Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. Good morning, everyone. I'd like to start by reading from Whispers from, Eternity, uh, Whispers from Eternity. It's a book of prayers and poems by Paramahansa Yogananda. I'd like to read a prayer that Yogananda received after a great test of God. In disease or in health, in success, or in failure, in poverty or in prosperity, in joy or in sorrow, in disaster or in safety, in life or in death. I stand immutably, unalterably, unshakably loyal devoted and firmly loving Thee, my Heavenly Father, forever, forever, and forever. This powerful prayer really captures the essence of this topic of this week. Victory demands the courage of conviction. It does take courage to discriminate between what is real and what is unreal. To see clearly what is true and what is untrue. And to have the courage to choose that which is real, that which is true. I remember the inner battle that I went through to embrace this path coming from a Jewish background. The battle between the heart, the intuitive feeling that I had, this is a true path. This is the path that will lead me to self-realization and the mind holding firmly to old ways of thinking, old ways of being convinced, and old tradition. And I'm sure that many, if not every single person who moved to Ananda have gone through a battle, maybe a big or small battle. And they had to use the courage of their own inner conviction in order to actually move here. But the battle doesn't end when we embrace the spiritual path when we move to Ananda. And we, use, we need to continue to use the sword of discrimination, the sword of wisdom, of self-control, until we achieve God-realization. And we all have our personal convictions, but we need to choose the right convictions. 
there is a story about a woman. She was a widow. And she had a dog that she lived with as her only companion. And one day her dog died. So she went to her priest asking him, Father, my dog is dead. Can you give, say a mass for my dog? And the priest said, I'm afraid I can't do it. We cannot give service to an animal in the church. But there's a Baptist church down the road. <laughs> Maybe they're willing to do something for your dog. And the woman said, okay, father, I will do it. I will go there right away. But do you think $5,000 will be enough to donate to them for the service? <laughs> And the priest said, my dear daughter, why didn't you tell me that your dog was Catholic? <laughs> I recently read a very inspiring book, an autobiography of a man. He was born in St. Louis, Missouri, in 1876, a long time ago. He was born to a very devout Catholic family. I'm not sure they had a dog. <laughs> When he was 17 years old, he felt an inner calling to devote his life to God. He entered a Catholic monastery, one of the most strictly cloistered orders. And in the monastery, the monastery life is not easy on human nature. And the monks who most likely to endure and survive the training were those who had um, a healthy cheerful attitude towards life, those who didn't easily become discouraged or depressed. Each day included prayers and meditation, the study of the scriptures, some chores and personal reflections, and some uh, uh, physical exercises. The words my and mine were hardly ever heard within the monastery. The monks were trained to surrender themselves fully to God. In their meditation and prayer practices, they were encouraged to develop devotion to God. One of their meditation practice was to choose a scene from the life of Jesus, and focus the mind fully on it until it invoked the love of God. Then drop the technique and focus on that love for Jesus until they feel one with him. After about a few years of great effort, one day he felt the presence of God near him And that divine presence stayed with him for about two months. And during those two months, all austerities seemed easy 
sleeping on a hard bed, eating food that doesn't have much taste. One of the hardest things was waking up after sleeping three hours at midnight for an hour and a half prayers and then going back to bed, wearing a robe that was hot in the summer and cold in the winter. All the austerities, all the humiliation of the ego, nothing touched him. Everything was enveloped with the love of God. And after about eight years, he took his final vows of renunciation. And then he was sent to Rome to continue his studies in the monastery. And in 1901, he became a priest. All the further studies were focusing on theology and philosophy to train the priests to be able to defend and prove the authority of the Catholic Church. He was a brilliant man and very, very devoted to the Church. And so he rose quickly to higher and higher positions in the Church. He associated with cardinals and bishops and had private meetings with the Pope. He had a promising future in the church. And after many years of great service to the church, he became very ill. And the church sent him to Switzerland, to the high mountains, to recover. And the doctor gave him strict orders not to read, not to study, but to spend most of his waking hours doing nothing. And so there he had a small room with a balcony overlooking the beautiful snow-covered Swiss mountains. And so beside daily prayer and meditation, he spent most of his waking hours doing nothing. And as he relaxed, as his mind started to relax, he started to feel deep peace. And the spirit of rest lasted for six months, where he was able to relax. Now, 25 years of daily practice of meditation and prayer taught him how to focus his mind, taught him how to withdraw from the senses inward. And as he started to relax, he started to feel peace deeper and deeper. And he was able to go beyond the senses, beyond the mind, and experience higher states of consciousness. He also experienced the presence of God very, very deeply. And he gradually surrendered himself fully to God. He lost his sense of I. He lost his sense of personality. And not only he experienced higher states, but he felt great inner freedom and great joy that he never experienced in his life. His description reminded me of the words of Yogananda in his poem Samadhi. I, the cosmic sea, watch the little eagle floating in me. 
And that experience helped him to realize that all solutions lie beyond the power of the intellect. That there is a vast consciousness that exists beyond what we can perceive through our senses. And that experience caused him to lose faith in the power of the mind to know truth. In the power of any orthodox dogmatic religion. And so after he recovered, he left the Catholic Church. He couldn't go back to the monastery and to his brother monks that he loved so much. But he was secured in the realization of God within himself. We live now in a new age where you're going to understand that self-realization is the only religion. And that we can become self-realized by breaking through the delusion, the hypnosis. We are this little ego, this little body and personality. Yogananda describes the personality as a dense forest that beyond it lies the promised land, the kingdom of God. And if we want to reach it, we have to get out of the forest. The way we do it is by daily practice of meditation. Edananda, following the path of Kriya Yoga, daily practice of Kriya. But we need to keep the practice not when it's easy, but when you're being tested. In the teachings of Yogananda, there's a great emphasis on not dwelling on past mistakes, not dwelling on personal flaws, not dwelling in negativity, but to keep turning towards the light. Yogananda said, we can make spiritual progress, if despite our flaws, we keep seeking God. To one disciple he said, I suffer when you have moods, because I see that Satan got a hold of you. So it's not easy to seek the light when we go through tests, because they seem so real to us. But we develop the inner strength, even to give Santa service, by holding to that positive attitude, by trusting. And no matter how many times we fall, to pick ourselves up again and again and to move towards the light. There is a beautiful story that I heard recently from Lalita, Ananda devotee who serves in the Christopher Hermitage. She organizes all the weddings. A few months ago, there is a couple who came. They were looking for a place to get married in. They came to Christopher Hermitage and they felt the spiritual vibrations. 
and they decided to get married there. And Lalita asked them, why did you want to get married in a place that is spiritual? And a young man shared the story. He said, some years ago, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. And I became very, very sick for about two and a half years. The doctor gave me many different medications to take. And gradually the medications started to affect my heart. And one day I had symptoms of heart attack. I was rushed to the hospital. And in the way to the emergency room, I lost consciousness and I died. And when I died, I went into the light. I left my body and I went into the light. And there I experienced the unconditional love of God. I learned a lot of things while in that place. But it wasn't my time to die. So I came back to the body. And within a period of a year, I was completely healed. And that impact of experiences, the, the unconditional love of God, caused him to meditate every day. And after meditating for a while, he one day prayed to God, Lord, how do you want me to share your unconditional love and non-judgment in this world? And he heard a voice inside of him telling him to go to a specific place. And he did go. And in this place, he met a young woman his age. She was in a wheelchair and she was paralyzed. And she told him that just recently she went for a hike. And she fell off a cliff about 20 feet above the water. And she became paralyzed. And he felt compelled to help her heal. And for the next two months, he carried her around his back wherever she needed to go. And during this period of two months, her paralysis gradually went away until she was completely healed. They fell in love. They decided to get married. And last month, in mid-September, an Ananda minister, Ganesha, married them in the Crystal Hermitage. There are many ways in which we can share the light of God in this world. Ananda is a path of meditation and service. Ananda is a carrier of higher vibrations. People feel here uplifted. People experience here the presence of God. So wherever you are, If you want to share higher vibrations, if you want to share God, meditate every day. Find ways that you can expand your consciousness through service to others. But the most important thing, the daily practice of meditation, going into the inner stillness, is what will help us to remember why we are here 
What is the purpose of life? But more than that, it helps us to become more and more secure, not in this world, but in our own divine nature.